Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 102. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Caroline Borders. And today we're going to be reacting to a Boston Globe article from last year, November 6th of 2015, by Beth Tettle, entitled, Audio Enthusiasts Move On to the Fast Track. And to sum up the article, it talks about the increasing trend in consumers, especially of audio content, to increase the playback speed of said audio content in order to fit more of it into their schedule and essentially consume more. And so we see trends of listeners consuming podcasts or audiobooks and even television shows at 1.25 speed, 1.5 all the way up to listeners who are in fact consuming at 2.5 or three times the normal rate of that content. And Caroline, after reading this for the first time, I'm really curious to hear what your reaction to it was. Well, initially I was like, why are they doing this? What's the point? Why do we in this day and age feel we need to consume more and more content, as much content as possible? And it really struck me as interesting, but bizarre at the same time. I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. Certainly. I'm also intrigued because you and I are on the content creation side of this, and we've made podcasts for months now. And to think that certain listeners might be listening at higher speeds intrigues me because I think, or at least suspect, that many of our episodes do have a slower cadence to them and don't move at a very fast pace, but I think we are thoughtful and careful and hopefully thorough in our approach to the various topics that we discuss. And I wonder to what extent users and listeners will miss certain nuances of the pauses in our conversation or the natural rhythm and fluidity of how you and I and guests that we have in the studio speak with one another. And I was intrigued by a certain quotation which said, some supersonic listeners say that even if they miss a word or 10, the caffeinated pace feels right. And I don't think that word choice is accidental. I think we do live in a culture where people have this association between speed and agility and accomplishment and achievement. And I don't think those things are always true. If you rush through something, you will, by the nature of rushing, eventually slip up, miss something, not think through your steps or your process, and you will encounter errors as a result. And I don't think that it's worth it all the time. And I would also argue that you could read a book, for example, very thoroughly and enjoy it fully, take your time with it. And someone else may have read 10 books in the time it took you to read that one, but they might not have enjoyed it as thoroughly. They might not have thought through every word, every character in the way that you did with your one book. And I'm not saying that you can't have speed and quality, but I do think that balance begins to distort when you reach the higher echelons of three times consumption rate. But to play devil's advocate a little bit, I am personally a very slow reader and oftentimes reading is very frustrating for me. And so when I find a good book and I can read it straight through and finish it in like two days, three days, for some people that's slow. For me, that's really fast and that's invigorating. And I think your word choice and distinction there is key because you said for some people, slow and fast are relative terms. And so you might consider yourself a slow reader, but it's only because you are around, have been exposed to, and on some level compare your reading ability to that of other people. And I wonder to what extent we've come to associate slow with inadequacy. Absolutely. I think I often feel inadequate because I take 
two hours to read 15 pages of a textbook and I'm trying to intake everything, all the information, but at the same time, I'm really frustrated because I'm not able to intake it quickly enough. And so it might be actually kind of empowering to be able to consume twice as much content, especially for someone who is a slow reader. And the article mentioned it being kind of competitive. And some people in surveys would say that it actually took them less time than it actually did to consume content. And that kind of competitive nature, I'm sure you kind of get like some sort of adrenaline rush from this experience. I don't know how else it would be so motivated to be competitive. Again, to point at culture, specifically American, I don't think we are simply individualist, but we are fixated on contrast. We need to be the individual who stands against others and even others who have already separated themselves from the pack who listen to content at the normal speed of 1.0. You need to continue to differentiate yourself. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were listeners who had developed or discovered software that allowed for five times or six times consumption speeds because it is competitive, as you said. And I think there's this belief that quantitative output or results are more important than qualitative details of the same caliber. And I'm intrigued by a lot of this because, as the article notes, TiVo, a popular television consumption technology, has traditionally allowed users to fast forward through commercial breaks. And my family had TiVo when I was growing up, and so I would fast forward through commercial breaks because that was a form of content that did not interest me. But the sitcom or movie or whatever I was watching did interest me, and so I wouldn't fast forward through that. But the article notes that beyond audio technology, certain users are watching television at faster speeds. And I think that compounds the potential risk of missing certain content, certain details, or information. Because with television, you have visual and audio cues, and you're not going to get all of them if you are running through it at breakneck speeds. And I also think that with television, especially with human characters, you might miss nuances of facial expression or tone that could be lost in the resulting acceleration. And I'd like to know what you think about this concept when applied to technology like television. It's interesting because you think about what people value in content. Are they just interested in what that content is saying and the information it is transmitting or the nuances in it, expressions, pauses, as you were saying earlier in conversation, the flow of dialogue. And clearly, I think it's the former because people are not as concerned when watching a TV show in this case with the more subtle aspects of what creates the dialogue, what creates the conflicts in if it's a sitcom or a talk show, what creates the chemistry between the talk show host and his or her guest. It's really interesting that that is becoming for, albeit a select portion of the population, but this app that they've talked about in the article has been downloaded more than 500,000 times. And the app she's referring to is called Shifty Jelly, and it's made by an Australian-based developer, and as you said, has been downloaded more than 500,000 times. Which is significant. And so if that's kind of the trajectory that our consumption of audio content, and I guess viewing content at this point as well, if that's where it's going, then will daily conversation, I think about plays and theater that you can't possibly speed up concerts. I mean, will that content become boring or outdated or slow? Those are all essential questions to ask. And within the article, John Lagomarsino, the author of A Verge Story earlier in 2015, which headlined, Stop Listening to Podcasts Sped Up to 1.5 Times, 
says some speed listening friends have started to find the actual pace of human speech distorted. They say it sounds like the radio hosts are drunk and talking through molasses. And another individual in the article said that his brother can't be in the car with him when he's listening to a podcast or an audiobook at an accelerated pace because he can tell even at a rate of 1.25. And to me, that's one of the troubling aspects about all of this, that human beings, through the human-produced content that they consume, would begin to believe in a very understandable way that the human beings in the real world are not moving at the proper pace, which is ridiculous. But at the same time, it's not the power of the media we consume and ultimately the power of perception and belief to alter the world that we do perceive is something to be considered. And it saddens me as someone who probably doesn't speak at as quick a pace he could to think that I might someday be ignored simply for the speed at which I am talking rather than because of the content of my words or the sentences I'm trying to craft. And I know my father, who actually sent in this article, is someone who constantly laments that he doesn't think he speaks quickly enough for other people's tastes because people have called him out for it. And I think that is a rather unfortunate thing to feel self-conscious about because it's really not about your content as a speaker, let's say, if we're going to use these terms to speak about conversationalists. It's about your means of expressing and delivering that content, your thoughts. And it's really interesting to think about that in a social setting outside of the realm of technological consumption. And I'm sorry for rambling there. No, I mean, as you were talking, I had this image of my head of all these people getting really frustrated in a social situation, really impatient about someone just talking and how absurd that sounds and looks in my head. It is interesting to think that perhaps one day people will be judged simply by the content that they're producing or talking about. Because if that's really what this practice of speeding up content is doing, you're really just getting the content. Does that mean it will privilege people who can speak well? and not those who don't have the same linguistic practice. Like what if it's someone from the South who's talking or from Texas and therefore they may not speak or be articulate based on, and I'm using air quotes there, based on the standardized notion of what it means to be articulate. Will they be written off in modern day society? That's a really valuable question. And I think there are clear examples in any condescending ways of talking or judgmental approaches to speech where people adopt different accents or speech patterns to imply ignorance or negative personal traits. Because ultimately, speech is a very particular and at times intimate means of expression. I think trends we might observe would likely be based upon presumptions of what does sound intellectual to us for various reasons or predispositions. For me, an obvious anecdote is the common belief or presumption that British accents sound quote-unquote smart. And another thing that I think about when reading this article and considering the concepts contained within it is the idea that some people don't consume content for content, but for comfort. People that fall asleep to the TV, for example, simply enjoy, and I can relate to this, having that echo of technology, so to speak, having that electronic ghost in the room because it's a presence and it's hard to describe it in more concrete terms. But I've certainly been guilty of playing a video on YouTube just to have the background noise of people talking about something because I enjoy it. And that might say something negative about the shallow nature of that consumption, which I'm willing to admit 
But I also think there is a grain of optimistic truth there in that people enjoy conversation. And I think we've diluted it perhaps to the point that people enjoy human speech. But there is content within that speech that I think our brains on some subconscious level can identify. I think that's why we enjoy listening to other people talk, because it is nice to hear other people speak, but it's fulfilling to hear other people think and to hear their thoughts out loud. And that's something I feel can be lost in this practice of acceleration. I'd also like listeners to think about the idea of doubly editing through acceleration, because when you and I edit these podcast episodes, we cut out unnecessary silences or coughs, other noises that we don't want to be contained within these conversations and distract from what we are saying. And I think that when the listener accelerates that, they are taking on the role of editor to some degree and saying that they know how to consume the content that we create better than we do which is interesting. And I think there is a lot of gray area there because we know how we want to project the content. But our listeners are ultimately the deciding factor in how they want it to be listened to. And so it's worthy of having a discussion with the listeners about that. And in the episode comments and in any feedback, I'd be very curious to hear what you all think. And I know in listeners that I've reached out to on Twitter, one in particular said that he had become a fan recently and was listening at 1.5 speed to catch up. And I found that very interesting because I wondered if he was missing anything. But what do you think about this idea of double editing? Is that something that had occurred to you? Not really. I mean, I've never considered speeding up the content of what I consume, but I understand how it's a useful mechanism to catch up per se. But one thing I'm thinking about is that I find myself to be sometimes even a distracting talker in some ways because my tone shifts a lot. I mean, you're listening to me right now. Like my voice goes up and down pretty frequently. I get louder suddenly or I'll talk like this for a while and then I'll have an idea and I'll come up here. So you know when I have an idea when it gets really loud and after editing us, I mean, I can always tell when I'm about to have like a burst of something that goes off in my head because suddenly the frequency will get much, much higher when I'm editing. So despite that maybe distracting quality of my voice, that is my voice. And like, that's how I talk. And I value that part of me being an animated talker. And it may not always come off as the most articulate speech, but that's just how I talk. And it's me. And it's interesting to think about how that would be distorted or taken away if it were sped up. And would people be missing part of my thought process or how I think about the topics we discuss? Because part of how I think about things and talk about things really does come out in how I talk. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment. And you're totally right. I haven't necessarily thought of myself as a speaker until on a break this winter when I was home with a friend who was discussing listening to me speak on the podcast that he said, You don't have quite a monotone, but your voice stays very stable in a lot of ways. You don't fluctuate very much. So it's interesting to hear you talk about fluctuations because that's something either I've artificially constructed in myself or that I naturally do when speaking on this podcast and perhaps elsewhere. And when accelerating, maybe you are getting the content of our words or the words of others if you are listening to other audio content but it's not quite us. You'll hear Caroline's words, but they're not coming from Caroline because she doesn't have the same pitch or frequency shifts if the volume is modulated, for example. And you might be hearing my thoughts, but they might not come from Kip if it doesn't sound like me. And that's a curious idea that 
our digital identities, our audio identities, or for actors and actresses on television, their visual and auditory identities are being digitally manipulated. That's a curious thing to think about and something that honestly I hadn't considered. And one final detail I'd like to discuss with you in the context of this article is the consumer-producer relationship with regard to content, because you and I try to stay in touch with listeners and react to what they're saying, how they feel, and their thoughts. We do, as we always say, want this to be a conversation among. And here's where I'm caught on the idea that there might be a certain level of disrespect or disagreement in consuming content in a way that the producer had not intended. And I wonder to what extent the audience owes us, I suppose, the distinction of listening to exactly what we upload to the internet, because I acknowledge that it is a reciprocal and fluid relationship, and I want listeners to be satisfied, and I would hope that it is through a very natural means of producing this content that we don't have to overly manipulate But I've already admitted, as is true, that we do edit these episodes. And so that's a bit of a broad question, but I'd like to know what you think about that relationship. Is it disrespectful, for example, to consume something in a manner that the creator had not intended? I don't think it can be. I mean, when you think about all other forms of art, it's all up for interpretation. Everyone is encouraged in this day and age to take a piece of literature, take a painting, take a piece of music and find meaning in it that is meaningful to themselves. And if that means our content is more meaningful to a listener when it is sped up, which is interesting to think about, then I don't think that's disrespectful if they're getting out from it a satisfying experience. That's a very fair point, and I appreciate the counter-argument there. I also think, at least from my perspective, and knowing how you approach this show, that we do choose our words very carefully. And when the article brings up that listeners might miss 10 or more words, I wonder to what extent sentences that you and I have crafted to deliver a very particular meaning are missed. And in podcasts that we produce to be highly conversational and therefore to build on the ideas that you and I or guests present and hopefully reach higher levels of understanding by the end of the episode than we had at the beginning, to what extent is that climb, that metaphorical, thoughtful climb of sorts, different or jarring or disjointed in some way as a result of accelerated listening? And I don't say that as though I know the answer. Perhaps there are listeners who can do it. I don't know that I could. And to some degree, I should admit my pride in having a bias of sorts with being a traditionalist who doesn't consume at an accelerated rate. But I will concede that maybe I'm missing out on certain things. Would you ever consider altering listening rates in certain areas of your life or for certain content? If I could get used to hearing a book sped up really quickly and that meant I could basically essentially read it faster, then yeah, I would be really, really interested in that just because I spend so much time reading, not because I want to, but because I have to. It really does end up being a frustrating experience. So I think for music, no way, no way would I ever want to speed up a song that I love. Which is really interesting because I know a number of people who can't listen to a song all the way through. They'll find the 30-second hook that they like and jump to the next one. I know very few people who start at zero seconds and finish at three and a half minutes or whatever. I know a number of people who will jump before the song is over because the final fade out doesn't interest them. I'm like one of the people that finds a song they like and then won't listen to anything else for like at least three days, maybe a week. And then maybe I'll find a new song and then I'll listen to that one for a week only. 
that's just me. I really value music in my life versus reading. I love reading, but when I'm trying to read religious theory that I really just need the big ideas and I need to get through it and I don't need the little tiny details that that author is trying to make it more anecdotal, but also at the same time a little unnecessary for the reader to really consume, then yeah, I can speed that up and feel okay about it. And before we close the episode, what are some things you would like the audience to consider after listening to this conversation? I feel like we take the dialogue, the information, and the nuances that come with that information very much for granted. And it's interesting after hearing how a lot of people do speed up content and find it to be both helpful and normal practice. It's interesting to be more aware of the nuances in conversation. I mean, these people claim that I would sound drunk right now. (laughs) And that's sort of a funny idea. But I think you can inversely gain a lot of value from actually listening to content for what it is. I agree. And as I said earlier, we would like to hear from our listeners how you're consuming our content. And if you have any opinions on this idea of double editing, I'd also really like to hear from those in the fields of education, how you might feel or how you do feel about your students or potential students consuming academic information at a faster or greater rate than was initially intended by the creator, the author, etc. I'd also like to hear thoughts on distinctions between audio content and audiovisual content because there's definitely a divide there. And finally, I'd really be curious to hear from listeners what your experiences have been. Do you listen to certain content at one rate and other content at another? Do you find that 14-hour audiobooks are too much of a slog? Would you ever spread it out over multiple days? Anything that comes to mind is more than worthy of submission. So please share your thoughts because we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any opinions, feedback, or input of any kind, please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. Where you can like our page and receive updates when we post a new episode. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to and reviewing the show, as well as sharing it with someone you also think might get something out of it, which helps expand the conversation. And really, that's what we want at the end of the day. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And this is Caroline Borders. We'll see you next time.